So let's talk to John Hartley, an old friend. He's with the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity. He's a research associate at the uh, distinguished Hoover Institute out at Stanford on the West Coast. Uh, John Hartley, welcome. I'm looking at your piece uh, from National Review Online, The Inevitable Fed-Induced Recession. All right? So what goes up has to come down. So the money supply, M2, um, I'll use M2, explodes up for 18 months as the Fed bought the bonds issued by the Bidens uh, and, and also in 2020 because of the pandemic stuff. Um, they bought them. They bought about 60, 62 percent, and the money supply exploded, and that has led to the big inflation, and you're saying it's inevitable now that the Fed is going to check inflation, and that's going to drive us into a recession. First of all, do I have your thesis right? And second of all, why does this always have to happen? Why? Yeah, well, thanks, Larry, for having me. I I, I think uh, that basically the core of uh, the thesis, I think, you know, we had this new uh, non-farm payrolls number that came out yesterday. You know, it was very robust, and, you know, we've got these, uh, you know, the labor market that's pretty robust and, and the unemployment rate that's around 3.6 percent. But and, you know, that's leading some people to say, you know, that there's no recession and soft landing. But, you know, my counter to that uh, narrative is that I think, you know, history says otherwise and that we're still in the early innings of this, I think, much longer inflation beating ball game. I know you're a big Aaron Judge fan like I am. But, you know, I think, you know, we've seen, you know, first quarter GDP, we had a negative uh, number, you know, negative 1.6. You know, the Atlanta Fed now cast is negative 1.2. And, you know, maybe we're seeing a bit of a productivity slowdown uh, for now, you know, in that there's less output, uh, you know, per worker hour, even though, you know, the labor market seems a bit robust. But, you know, again, you know, we're in the early stages, early innings of this ball game. You know, I think core inflation, you know, it's at 6%. In, you know, uh, headline CPI is still at eight and a half percent, and even though you know things like WTI are now falling below a hundred dollars a barrel, I think you know we're going to need a lot more than that to bring you know core CPI back down to the Fed's long-term two percent target, and you know that's going to require some reductions in in the price of housing. And so, uh, you know, it's important to remember you know housing makes up about a third of CPI. And even uh, almost uh, about 40 percent of core CPI. And so I, I think if you look at history, the 1950s, the 1960s, the early 80s, the early 90s recession, these were all recessions that were Fed induced. You know, the Fed was trying to fight inflation of, of that day. And you know, thankfully, you know, we've had this inflation targeting regime over the past 30 years. But I think what's unfortunately happened is you know, we've had this transitory narrative. All the stimulus, you know, these um, supply side sort of supply chain disruptions that have gotten us away from this two percent target, and we can sort of debate, you know, whether the Fed should have, you know, how much early earlier should the Fed have started raising rates? But I think there's a lot more rate hikes to come, yep. and the history sort of says that, you know, any time the Fed uh, needs to fight inflation like this, you know, it's, it's followed by a recession. You know, John. Uh... Apart from the excessive federal spending, which the Fed monetized, I think, you know, you're describing an old problem in monetary policy, an old, old problem. 
and it's this stop and go. You know, now, we beat it. As you say, we had for three decades clear 2% target for price stability, and most of the Fed chairs and the FOMC, uh, you know, they said price stability is the cornerstone of economic growth. And that theory was thrown out by this Fed, by the J. Powell Fed. And so they slammed down the accelerator. Money supply soars, right? Inf- <laughs> then they say, no, no, there's no inflation problem. And then what inflation there is is because of supply shortages or, you know, Biden, Biden blames Vladimir Putin. But the reality is all prices are rising. The indexes are rising. And now the Fed is going to – they are crunching down the money supplies, you probably know. I mean, the thing – year-to-year money, uh, John, I think – peaked in late um, 2020, early 21, some such, at about 27%. And now it's down uh, to about 6 or 7% year on year. And I think the last three months, it's been flat. So the stop and go theory that you're writing about, we're in the stop period, and it's going to crash the economy. And as you also note, and this is so important, guess who gets hurt the most? The least among us, the least among us, okay? The middle class, yes, but it's the lower middle class and it's the poverty class. They are going to get slaughtered as the Fed uh, adjusts for its prior mistake. Absolutely. And, you know, I think what's a bit unfortunate, too, about this inflationary uh, uh, scenario that we're also seeing is that inflation also hurts the poor the most. Uh, you know, the poor, um, you know, they consume a much bigger fraction of their incomes. Uh, you know, also um, gas makes up uh, a big uh, gas and food makes up a very disproportionate part of their uh, consumption basket. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, because inflation sort of gotten out of control and that we veered away from this 2 percent target in the way we have. And we can again debate why that's happened. You know, the poor are paying for sort of on both sides of it. At uh, Free Op, the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity, we've created these inflation inequality indices. And you can see that, you know, this is just using government data and breaking it up by income brackets. You can see that inflation rates are higher uh, for you know, those in lower income brackets. And so, unfortunately, what's going to happen now is that they've been paying, you know, a big, bigger part of their incomes to, you know, for gas and food and, and really bearing the brunt of inflation. And, and now they're going to also uh, bear, I, I think, you know, what's going to be like the brunt of, you know, what's going to be, I think, a nasty recession. You know, they've, in general, you know, uh, greater likelihood of becoming unemployed and so forth. Um, but I think it's, it's really unfortunate. I think we really have to ask this question, you know, how did we get here? And I think this is, you know, partly what you know, you're alluding to is that there was this transitory narrative, uh, you know, which I think was, a, you know, a bit of a cover for, I, I think, you know, additional stimulus. You know, we were talking about Build Back Better and, you know, a few months ago, and that you know we didn't have to worry about inflation, and you know, and then we had things like ARP, and and I think there's a, a healthy debate about what exactly was the cause of all this inflation to begin with. Um, but you know, the longer you know we let inflation get out of control, the more difficult, and I think the more painful the recession ultimately uh, will be that uh, that accompanies the required rate hikes to bring to bring down inflation. Well, um, you know, I think. John Harley, why did the Fed abandon the 2% target? It seems to me that they, you know, for three decades, we developed 
inflation price targeting. This was good. And they held to it. And and Jay Powell abandoned it. And why did they do that? It's like the old saw, John. What were they thinking? What were they thinking? And look how this is going to end badly. It's a great question. You know, I, I, you know, I think you have to think about uh, how broken our inflation forecasting has been over the past year or so. You know, we had this long narrative that inflation was just simply going to be transitory. I don't think that these model uh, that these forecasts were coming out of any sort of econometric model, but I think in a way they were sort of created by this sort of narrative, this almost media narrative. Um, that, you know, everybody just agreed, well, you know, it's all, you, know, you can chalk up everything to, you know, used cars or, or whatever the small uh, sort of narrative was. And then over time, things sort of uh, started to bite and it became more than just that. And it became housing um, and, and many other sort of everyday goods and just the you know, complete price basket. But I think you have to ask yourself if, for example, say, uh, you know, uh, President Trump had, you know, won a second term and we saw this inflation spike in, in you know, May of last year, just like we had, you know, would the media have been promoting this sort of narrative that mm. inflation is just transitory, um, you know, because obviously, you know, being a sort of political enemy, but in many ways promoting this transitory narrative, uh, I, I think almost gave um, excuses um, not to raise r- rates sooner. I mean, imagine it, you know, all the, you know, the media course that would have blamed, you know, uh, a pre- a President Trump. Uh, in a second term for this inflation, I think perhaps the Fed would have been a bit more responsive. Yes. Um, but I think it's, you know, it just I think we really need to take a look and, and ask ourselves, why did we get this inflation forecasting so wrong? Yep. Um, and I think there really needs to be yep. a, a serious hard look in terms of yep. how we're thinking about inflation forecasting. It's a very costly mistake is what it is. And uh, maybe we'll learn a lesson, maybe we won't. Anyway, John Hartley, thank you ever so much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.